Welcome to Rasafari Live. Oh wait, we're not actually live. Huh. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast that is live but previously recorded, the Rasafari Podcast. Boy, that's weird. I'm weird, but we know this. All right, so here is the deal. This is my second Tuesday of new content. Um, one of the things that I have learned recently is that I've been doing more of a deep dive on like what my audience is and who y'all are. Hi, I, I like you. I like you for being here. Um, and one of the things that I've realized is that there is definitely some overlap between like the people who listen to the podcast and the people who do the Instagram and Facebook and all of that. But there's also a lot of people who do one but not the other. And, and from what I can tell, there's actually a huge number of you who um, listen to the podcast but don't follow along on Instagram and don't do the, the, the Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Um, and so I thought that for this episode, since I, I wanted a break from interviews for the end of the year here anyway, that I would put three of the Rasafari lives that I have done out here as an audio podcast. Uh, you can you can listen to them, and if you've heard them before, I guarantee you it was a while ago, so uh, it'll probably feel pretty fresh. And it just so happens that these three are three of my favorite humans ever, 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 because this podcast has given me some truly amazing people in my life. And, and today, three of them are going to be talking to you. Now, keep in mind, these were all recorded in 2020 or in 2021, but like early, like January. So, um, you know, things have changed a little bit since then. Uh, however, the main thing is that you're going to hear lots of cool stuff from cool people and they'll be talking about their cool animals. And so yay that. So today you are going to hear from Colleen Adams. You're going to hear from Katie Prop. And you're going to hear from Danny Poirier Larson. Now, y'all know how much I love these three people. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for you to, um, to hear all of this. And if, if you watched them, hear it again. Because you're going to listen. Because they're awesome. And you know it. And I know it. And we all know it. So um, yeah. But before we hear from them, let's hear an ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamers Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. 
Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com slash studios. So like I said, I've come to realize that some of you don't take this advice, but um, friendly reminder, you should be following along on Instagram, Facebook, etc. at Ross Safari. Uh, Instagram recently started to let me have reels for some reason that hadn't been a thing. So I'm starting to post more video content on there as well as my daily photos plus, you know, stories and stuff that pertain to episodes or just animals. And so, yeah, it, it's a good time. Don't forget that you can support the pod, patreon.com slash or send a one-time donation on Venmo at Rossafari. All right. Enough of all of this. So without further ado, let's get to my interviews uh, from previous Rossafari Lives with Colleen Adams, Katie Prop, and Danny Poirier-Larson. Enjoy, y'all. It says connecting. Hey! Hi! Hi, Colleen. How are you? Good. How are you? I am good now. I was riffing for the last, like, three minutes. And uh, it, it felt like an eternity. But now that you're here, everything's wonderful. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How's it going? Good, good. I'm on my weekend, so I'm just resting. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Literally in bed, resting. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you already have sleepy face, too. I do, too. Do, yeah. I've, I've slept a lot today. <laughs> that's good. I always forget that, you know, zookeepers and musicians keep a very different schedule. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is this is roughly lunchtime for me. No, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, so um, what's new? How's life? Life is good. Some exciting things are going on at the zoo right now. Um, last week was breeding week for our tamanduas. So yeah, yeah. So we did a lot of introductions between Salvador and Isla. Um, was he his came... usual polite self? Oh my gosh, he's the picture of... A gentleman like <laughs> perfect illustration of a gentleman he they are the the picture of consent my head keeper always says that she wishes that we could like use a video of them and post it on the internet and be like fellas this is what consent because <laughs> <laughs> um, he's so polite he just follows her around it's as if he taps her on the shoulder and is like hey uh would you mind if we do this and she's like Nah, and then she'll keep moving, and he just he'll ask again and again, and again. finally she'll be like, "Okay, we can do it." <laughs> yeah, that's adorable. I love them yeah, so it's, much. It's great. So if if everything goes well, we're looking at April. Oh, yeah, which very very cool. My birthday. Oh, nice. When is your birthday? My birthday is April 14th, and when I okay. said this to my head keeper, or no, my team leader, she was like, we are not naming this baby Colleen. I'm like, I know. <laughs> my birthday is March 31st, so, you know. Oh, very close to mine. Yeah, very close. Very nice. Cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. 
So speaking of commandual breeding, um, and for those watching and following along, um, Colleen and I have not talked about what we're doing tonight at all. I, I've been bugging her for a little bit, and I was like, let's go live. And she was like, what does that mean? And I was like, we'll find out. So, uh, yeah, just thanks for joining along. Also, Red is here. My, my, I just realized that he's in the picture. Yes. Hi, Red. Yep. But um, so speaking of commandual breeding, uh, you are going to be doing something interesting with the uh, – with the AZA SSP for that, right? You're going to be... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell I, us about that. I just recently was asked by the um, Tamandua SSP coordinator, and for those of you who don't know, SSP coordinator um, is the Species Survival Plan coordinator, so just the person who really facilitates all the breeding um, for different species. So a lot of species um, have an SSP within zoos. So I was asked by the tomato SSP coordinator to become a breeding consultant, um, I guess is going to be my my official title. Um, and that'll just mean that I am someone who is a resource for other institutions when it comes to breeding tomandoas. So um, rather than everybody crowding up his inbox with questions about breeding, um, he'll be able to focus more on the administrative side. And then I will I will work more heavily on the um, resource side and answer a lot of questions. Well, that is incredible. Is that a thing or did they like invent this position for you because of how awesome you are? So every SSP does things a little bit differently and um, they can kind of write their own rules. So the um, Tamandua SSP coordinator just decided that this would be beneficial as Tamanduas are gaining popularity among zoos. They didn't really used to be a known species years ago and now it seems like everybody's got them and everyone's popping out babies. Um, but they're but it's a relatively new species, so we're learning a lot about them when it comes to them being in ambassador programs and being in breeding programs and whatnot. So I think that um, his name is Harrison. I think Harrison just felt that this would be a good path for the Tamando SSP specifically. So it'll be me and a other a couple other individuals doing this um, doing filling this role, and then we will all work together to determine who's already talked to what institutions and whatnot, so we're not double dipping. Right, right. Makes sense. So what I heard you say is all of that lingo and long way of saying it, but what you're really saying is, no, I'm awesome, and so they just kind of created this for me and some other cool people. I mean, so. my, my director did reach out to the SSP coordinator and said, hey, you should use this girl. She's yeah. really obsessed with Tamanduas. She can <laughs> So then I mean, he responded that. that. But. That's amazing. That's so cool. I am very proud of you. That's awesome. Thank Congrats you. Congrats on that. And um, speaking of your love for Tamanduas, um, uh, Cairo's Creature Collective. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you have, a, you have a thing going on with them right now. And I have actually just recently um, signed on to be a brand ambassador for them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting some cool Cairo stuff. Uh, so... Tell me a little bit about that and what you have going on and, and why you're um, associated with that. Yeah, so first shout out to Kairos Creature Collective. It is my absolute favorite animal apparel brand. Um, not just because I'm super close to the creator, <laughs> but also because the stuff is awesome and there's literally nothing like it. I mean, so the designer name is Lauren and Lauren was actually um, she did a bunch of graphic design work is what she went to school for and then she just was feeling a little bit empty and and not fulfilled in her career so she made a career switch to zookeeping and became my intern and her and I got really close and this was like 
four or five years ago that she was my intern. And we've just kept in touch and stayed really good friends. And she designed my wedding invitations and all sorts of stuff because she's just so talented. And um, when she told me that she was rolling out a clothing brand, I was all about it because I had already kind of seen her style. And I've never seen anything like it. And um, I remember she texted me one day and said, hey, I have this idea to roll out a clothing line. Can I use one of your Tamandua pictures? No one's making Tamandua clothing except it's getting a little bit more popular. You can find some stuff maybe on like Redbubble and whatnot, but um, it is really hard to find Tamandua clothing. I've searched. <laughs> and uh, she asked if she could one of my pictures of Isla cuddling with her baby Manny in the nest box. And I was so flattered and so excited. And um, so that's kind of how, that's kind of how I got involved with them. And I wanted my first giveaway to be something with, um, Kairos Creature Collective because I really want to do what I can to push that brand and, and get it out there and um, get people to fall in love with it as much as I have. Lauren also is donating um, a bunch of the proceeds to conservation efforts all over and obviously that is super near and dear to my heart um, and specifically to Mandua Conservation which no one's talking about to me into a conservation. So it's just, it's a really, really awesome um, thing and really important to me personally. So um, the giveaway will go live once I reach 500 followers. I'm pretty close. I think I was at 470 when, when I started this call. But um, so once I reach 500, I will post the instructions on how to do the actual giveaway and, and how to enter and everything. And then I'll probably leave it up for like a week and then, and what's it for? It's for a Kairos Creature Collective face mask, which there are multiple designs, not just the Isla design is in the picture, though that is obviously the best one. But there are multiple designs, and they're all really, really awesome. Um, but I want the winner to get to have the first pick of which one they want, and then I will just mail it straight to your house. Um, and I am going to do some second, third, maybe fourth place winner things as well, because I've got some other fun Kairos Creature Collective things um, to mail out as well. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, literally, as soon as I started talking to Lauren about being a brand ambassador, I was like, so Red Panda, I've got I've got picks. We can we can work something out. And uh, yeah, she uh, she's probably already annoyed with me, but whatever. No, no, she's <laughs> hard. Awesome to human. And, no, I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Also, have you seen the um, kangaroo video that's going viral? There's a yes. video yeah, of yeah, yeah. Keeper in the Keeper. That's Lauren in the kangaroo costume. So if any of you watching have seen, there's a video of a keeper hopping along in a kangaroo costume. And there's a little Joey following behind. And the keeper turns around. And then Joey jumps in the pouch. And they're snuggling. That's Lauren. So if that video has captured your heart, know that that's the girl behind this brand that we're talking about. So they're one in the same and um, yeah, you should get some Kairos stuff because it's awesome. And you're promoting that right now. So anyone who follows at zookeeper Colleen can, can see that and follow along and all that good stuff. Yeah. Love it. So how are things with my favorite bear cat? How's Lucille, Lucille. doing? <laughs> 
yeah. So those of you who don't know, Lucille is a baby binturong or bear cat, um, more commonly referred to. And she is our ambassador for the University of Cincinnati here in Cincinnati, where I am. And Lucille goes to basketball games and football games and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, because UC's mascot is a bear cat. So we just recently filmed a bunch of Go Bearcat videos for their games because we're not able to take her off grounds right now. Um, thank you, COVID. So we had to just film some videos and you can find those on their Instagram as well. Um, and I've been sharing them to my stories when I see them pop up. They're a little bit cringy. I'm not going to lie because <laughs> it is actually like kind of difficult to film a 30 second video where you're required to hit seven points with a feisty baby bear cat on your shoulders, seven people watching you, a camera in your face, and the UC <laughs> mascot standing next to you. <laughs> like, so <laughs> so my, even my family, I sent them the video and they were like, that's really cute. And I'm like, guys, it was kind of bad. And they were like, well, I mean, it's a little cringy, but it was still cute. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't family great for that kind of thing? Yes, especially my sister Delaney. She's she's the greatest at being honest. Nice, um, nice. But Lucille's doing great. She is um, going through different behavior phases, it seems, every single week. So one week she's as sweet as molasses, and then the next week she is feisty. And if she doesn't like something, she literally will, like, bitch slap you. Like, <laughs> great straight across the face um especially if you try to give her a food item that she's not a fan of so if I offer her a food item if I can't use my other hand or I'll drop my phone she'll just smack it straight out of my hand and the food will just go flying I'm like well I don't think she likes carrots anymore she was fine with carrots last week but <laughs> I don't think she likes carrots anymore so we've started separating carrots out of her diet they go in a separate cup Mm. And we don't use carrots for training anymore because Lucille smacked me when I tried to get carrots. Um, oh, I like her so much. Yeah, she's learned to jump from perch to perch on cue, which is a really, really awesome behavior, especially for an animal as um, dense as a bear cat. They are extremely dense in their, I don't mean like in her head. Right, I was going to say, you should clarify. Like yeah, body, yeah. Yes, her body is really dense. She, They look like they're really fluffy and furry. Nope. Nope, she's thick and uh, heavy. But she learned to jump from perch to perch on cue, and it's really amazing. We'll take her out in the exhibit, and we just wave our finger over our head, and she'll jump over our head from perch to perch, and it's really cool. Um, Yo, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. We started doing these joint sessions with her to keep, uh, keep her even more engaged. And so me and my head keeper, Aaron primarily will go in together and we've started doing shoulder to shoulder behaviors. So normally Lucille rides around on our shoulders, but we hadn't up until recently started passing her off between us. And it just extends the platform that she has available to her while we're out on an encounter because we're always out together. My shoulders are pretty small. I'm a pretty small girl. And so you're a very tiny human, yes. And Aaron, my head keeper, is about the same size as me. So by having us like stand shoulder to shoulder, it gives Lucille just a little bit um, more room to move around. And um, we've been 
calling her back and forth in the enclosure. We've been getting her to come to her name when she's called and targeting and going over to a platform. Um, I wave and I tell her station and she runs across the enclosure and stands and waits on this one specific platform. Um, and it allows me to be able to get into the enclosure without her right up in my face. So, um, it's been really fun. So other than not liking carrots and smacking me to tell me what's up, she's doing great. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I would just like to point out, got two big broad ones right here, you know, just saying, uh, you know, if she needs more space, I, I got a few I shoulders believe, for her. I believe you were promised that by someone else. That said I, I was, but it's much hat. like meeting, much like meeting red pandas. I'm, I'm always up for more than one. Right. Right. Yeah. You know. Just saying. I will be in Cincy soon. So speaking of which, we can tell yeah. everyone who watches this, we will be doing a second interview soon, won't we? On the 13th, I think, right? Yep. I'm right. really looking forward to that. Okay. That's going to be awesome. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. If anyone has questions, shoot them over to John and maybe we can hit specific topics this time because we already covered quite a bit in my oh, last video. Yeah. Well, if I how, how many ambassador animals do you have again? We have almost two hundred. <laughs> right, and we hit like six. So right, that's I, true. We're, the goal is to do the other one hundred and ninety-four, no matter how long it takes. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> I'll give you don't have to I'll work that day. enough for like seven more episodes. You can <laughs> cut it and paste it how you do. The month of Colleen, you know why not? <laughs> No one wants to hear me talk that much. <laughs> so, okay, before we go, I want to hit on one more topic with you. Um, and this is something that was in our podcast, so people have heard this. But of everything that has been in the 31 episodes that I've released so far, the number one thing that I hear the most about is the thing that you mentioned to me about um, being – the world of the animal and I don't want to steal, you know, misquote you. So for people who are watching this, who are not able to listen to the podcast or who don't listen or whatever, uh, who, who follow along on Instagram, um, tell me about that and tell me about what that means and, and share a story or something about that. Yeah. So I don't actually remember my exact quote either, but since I'm the one that said it, I do remember the sentiment behind it. So probably explain it um basically john had asked me in the podcast interview kind of like why i love doing what i do so i'm specifically an ambassador keeper so my job is to create moments between a guest and an animal um that are special that are educational where the guest can walk away um having fallen in love with that animal hopefully spark some conservation efforts you know all of that good stuff that can't happen just from reading a sign and that often honestly doesn't happen just from um, looking at animals in an exhibit so shout out to all of the ambassador keepers out there doing what you do um and when John asked me this question, I responded with the reason that I love it so much is because I facilitate moments, magical moments, where for just that one special moment, I watch the guest become the world of the animal and the animal become the world of the guest where they're only seeing each other. And I'm just an innocent bystander at that point. And I just did a class with some fourth and fifth graders a couple of days ago 
where we had our Lady Ross's Taraco Zulu. Scroll back on my page. Um, there's bunches of pictures of her. She's magic. As um, well as on my page. I love yeah. Zulu. Yes. Well, I did this class with these fourth and fifth graders, and Zulu is trained to fly to a tea perch. Um, so kids can just hold the perch and have Zulu fly to them. And I got every kid in the class to be able to fly this bird and watching the look on their face as Zulu comes flying in and lands, she lands really hard and she's right there in their face, like so proud, but watching the look on their face, they forget that anything else in that entire, on the entire planet exists. And like, I facilitated that. And so the pride that comes with it and like the emotion that comes with it every single time has never faded and never gets old. Um, it is magic every time. <laughs> I swear I like see fireworks every time and um, having kids want to do it again and again and adults like John freak out <laughs> over getting <laughs> like you couldn't put a price on it. I'm not even doing justice describing it, but it's, um, it really is. You're the animal's world. They're your world just for a moment. And like, I got to set that up. So that's why I do what I do. And that is so amazing. I can say as a person who gets to spend a lot of time one-on-one -on -one with animals and get those behind the scene encounters and stuff. Um, it's not only is that so true, but whenever I'm editing my podcasts, then, um, it's hilarious because I literally forget that I'm hosting a podcast and they're like, I always leave in cuts of me talking to the animal or whatever, but there are like 10 minutes of silence where I'm just, you know, handling a tarantula or playing with a red panda or, Wait, uh, so by the way, <laughs> you, that was so cool. So proud. <laughs> it was so cool. I loved her. I can't, can't wait to, to play with more of them. They're amazing. Um, but yeah, I have to cut out like 10 minutes of silence because, or just me going, <gasps> Oh my God. Hi. Hello, Rosie. Hi. I love you so much. Hi. Hi. Because no one wants to listen to 10 minutes of that. So yeah, no, it really does. It becomes the whole world and you forget you're hosting a podcast or you forget that you're, you know, like you said, in class or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. Imagine like doing that for a job every day, they become my whole world too. Like, like I have those moments as well. Right. Like, right. Right. I yeah. I'm not thinking much anything else when Lucille Bearcat is on my shoulders, smashing her face in my hand and eating bananas. I don't even, I couldn't tell you what day it is. I don't know what's going on. Am I married? I forget. No, don't tell my husband that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you do, you just like forget everything because it's mm. so. Animals are amazing. It's, it's they incredible. Are. Yeah. They are. Cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. We're going to have so much fun. Yes, and stay tuned, everybody, for our next episode. Yes. Bye, everyone. Here comes Katie, hopefully. It says, waiting for wildlife Katie. This is always my favorite part of doing this. Hey, there she is. Hey, how's it going, John? <laughs> so good, Katie. How are you doing? I'm great. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm excited to have you here, or hopefully have you here, because you dropped out. Hello? Oh, no! There you Am are. I, back? I think okay. we're having a little <laughs> low connectivity issue. Yeah, you're, you're kind of back. I can't see you, but I can hear you. 
I guess that's important. Oh, now I can see you too. You were just kind of a laughing blur for a second, which I feel like is a pretty standard state for you. So (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that. So how's it going, friend? How's life? Words currents, right? Like ups and downs during the week, but I've been pretty excited about Thanksgiving and uh, eating food by myself so no one can judge me for the amount of turkey I put on my plate. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So um, what are you thankful for? Oh, so many things. Um, I'm thankful to have a house. Uh, That's new this year. My husband and I bought this house. Um, I am thankful for... Having a job with this pandemic, I know that that's something that's been tough for a lot of people. Um, I'm unemployed. Is being able Yay. To have work, so I'm definitely thankful for that. Very good. Yeah, very good. It's uh, different for everybody. Um, it seems like our connection is kind of like hit or miss. I don't know. If there's anything we can do about that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm on good Wi-Fi here. That's that's all I know. I'm guessing you are too. So. Oh, man. I don't know. But let's just try. And if it's really bad, I'll soliloquize. Because as we all know, I'm good at not shutting up when, when it comes to it. Okay. I feel that way too. Like I could go on and on forever. But I'm like, <laughs> am I cutting it and out? Do I just sound like a robot? Like I'm hoping... Hoping this is, um, you know, going to work out for us. And I know it can be, like, spotty with cell phone networks. And I'm by an airport, so I don't know if that does anything. <laughs> I don't I know. by an airport, so with all the planes and stuff, who knows? Yeah, ah, no worries, no worries. Yeah. So tell me, what's going on with you at Penguins International right now? Oh, man. Um, You know, with the holidays ramping up, I just feel like so many things start to happen uh, and it just gets crazy. So right now I'm gearing up for our next workshop that we'll be offering to kiddos. Um, That virtual workshop is called uh, Excellent Egg Experiments because I love puns. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Yes, I knew you would. And it's all about eggs and penguin eggs and like the development basically of birds. So it'll be really interesting and fun. So um, getting that, you know, kicked into gear for December. Um, December 1st is Antarctica Day. So that's a big day for penguins that live in Antarctica and kind of celebrating them and celebrating the history of Antarctica, that kind of thing. Um, so what, what, what do penguins do to celebrate that day? You know, I'm sure they just live their regular lives. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of us, though, that are, you know, celebrating on their behalf. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay, okay. Probably, you know, <laughs> eat some fish, swim, sleep, etc. <laughs> there are worse days. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, I probably will be celebrating in style. I'm going to wear, you know, like my parka, I'll zip it up all the way and like wear it for as long as I can. (laughs) Turn down the thermostat to save, you know, some energy. Um, And then, of course, just take some actions during the day to 
reduce my carbon footprint since that's really what's impacting impacting Antarctica the most. So, yeah, now that you know about it, how do you think you'll celebrate Antarctica Day? Well, hopefully by finding a full body penguin suit and flapping around. Um, but, you know, if that doesn't work, that actually is, is kind of why I wanted to talk to you today and why I wanted to do a, a follow up for the podcast. Um, you've been doing a lot on Instagram lately telling people how to do conservation in their daily lives and just little steps that people can take. And um, I've been noticing that, and I think it's really cool, and I think it's really important. Uh, and you do it with such a joie de vie that uh, <laughs> it's it's rather fun. So I was hoping that you'd be willing to share some thoughts about steps that everyone can take, um, especially as we are getting into colder months, uh, to help save penguins and polar bears who we know from your episode don't live together. They don't. Um, <laughs> nope. And just, just, you know, the earth. Yeah, uh, there's there's so much, you know, and I think the important thing is recognizing that an individual can make a difference, right? And even like the little actions that you take, like those things add up to really make an impact. Um, especially with owning a house right now, I'm seeing like a lot more opportunities being presented of things that I can be doing um, on a on a bigger scale such as, you know, making sure that the energy that is powering the lights in my house is um, green energy and going through the energy company and figuring out where that energy is sourced. Okay, so, um, how, so how, let's talk about how you do that, though, because I, I, don't, I don't really know. So Yeah, so um, it's one of those things where sometimes you'll have people that will come up to your door and, like, ring the doorbell and, and ask, like, hey, we represent um, a green energy company. Would you be interested in swapping over your energy? That's what happened to me when I was living in Columbus. Someone just came to our apartment and just rang the doorbell and, and brought it up. So that was a pretty cool interaction. Um, what I've done here is started out by researching um, the energy company that provides the energy to us currently. So most energy providers have options to opt for green energy. So whether that is, I keep saying green energy, like everyone knows what I'm talking about, but that would be things um, like wind energy sourced from turbines, like a turbine farm. Um, here in Denver, a lot of it is solar energy. A lot of sure. my neighbors have solar panels on their houses, which I would love to get to that point where I could afford to put solar panels on my roof <laughs> and have that. Um, and then there's like geothermal energy as well. So there's there's a lot of different options and it's just kind of figuring out um, what works for you, what type of energy works best for the area that you live in, um, and then being willing to make that switch um, and and have your house powered in an alternative way, I guess you could say. <laughs> so that's, cool. like a big, that's like a big swap, um, big action and take some research into figuring that out. But like on a smaller level, you've got the simple things like um, everyone knows to recycle, but what's more important is buying recycled products. So it's like when people are like, oh, I recycle, like deep down, I'm like, congratulations, you can separate your garbage. But like, what does that do for the earth? <laughs> you know, it's, it's the follow-up of that cycle of buying things that are made from recycled products um, and supporting companies that use recycling uh, 
properly and that kind of thing. So that's what I always look for is if I'm going to purchase something like what, what is the shelf life of this item? Like what's going to happen when I'm done with it? Will it end up in a landfill? If it is recycled, is there a company that like will reuse it again? And TerraCycle is one of those companies that um, I really admire because they do kind of fill that loop where they take something that maybe wouldn't easily be recycled, like Capri Sun packaging, and then they'll make them into uh, like handbags and all kinds of cool things. So, yeah, I think just looking at your own like lifestyle and just trying to see how you might be able to tweak like little tiny things here and there that can that can make a bigger impact. Makes sense. Makes sense. So yeah. there's a rumor that goes around a lot that, you know, recycling isn't really a good thing and doesn't really work. Um, and so can you can you talk about that at all since you, you've put some time in researching it? I know I'm totally putting you on the spot here. Oh, it's um, fine. <laughs> I, f- I feel like you're up to the task. Yeah, I feel, well, actually, you know, I, I look all smart with my, my bookshelf behind me, but I have a book. <laughs> I literally, recommend. I it's thought of doing the same thing. I have my books right plan. here. Oh, yeah, I know. It's like, I'm an intellectual. Look at me. Um, <laughs> but this book, Junkyard Planet by uh, Adam Min- Minter, it talks about, like, the trash trade. And this guy um, basically, like, was raised in a junkyard, like his parents owned a junkyard and he kind of took it over from them. And so it talks about how a lot of our recycling, like our, our recycling is metal, um, like in the terms of like cars, um, you know, copper pipes and wires and that kind of thing and how we take it and then we ship it to China. And so we have these big, huge, um, basically barges, you could say, that are moving our garbage to China, which then like takes our plastics and our garbage and whatnot, remakes it into other things, ships it across the ocean back to us where we buy cheap items and whatnot. So it's it's kind of crazy how much international shipping there is with our trash. Interesting. Um, yeah, and it's, it's kind of mind-blowing just like, how that impacts our planet because really like these barges can get into accidents and all kinds of things and then it's like dumping more into our oceans and you know about the pacific garbage patch i'm sure it's just like the size of texas and getting bigger every moment (laughs) it's like it's contributing to that um so i think what's important is trying to figure out like how to break this cycle which i'm not trying to make up on here but really like how can we focus on recycling within the united states um especially if you are a producer of items uh how can you reframe your company to think about reducing that waste so yeah it it's not a perfect system Um, And then I know that there's differences on the local level as well. So I just try to start out by looking at my consumption. It's like, okay, do I really need this thing? And if I don't, then I can cut that out. Um, And so here in Denver, we have a pretty good recycling system, but we also have composting here. So I have not opted into that yet because I'm used to backyard composting, but uh, the, the, city of denver will do compost pickups where you can get like 
a bin, like you have a trash and recycle, but put your compost in there. And then they'll take it to a compost pile and then can resell that or reuse it with um, working on, I don't know, the parks and that kind of thing. So I haven't done a ton of research into where it all goes here. Um, but I think it is an important thing to look at is figuring out like, okay, what is happening in my bubble? Because if you think about the whole world, it can be kind of overwhelming. And I think some people are like, oh man, like this is just too much. I can't handle this. And then they'll just like mentally check out. So I think it's important to be aware, but also like still try to do actions um, that are reducing, you know, an impact. Because it does matter. It does matter. Even if it's like, oh man, things are being shipped to China. Like what's the point? Um, There is a point. It's like you, when you're walking down the street, and you see someone in front of you pick up something that was on the ground and put it in a recycle bin, like, you just want to say thank you because they're setting an example, right? Of like, we don't leave trash on the ground. We care about our planet. And I think there's kind of that chain reaction of people being inspired by seeing, uh, seeing actions. And so it's like, it's worth it still to do something. Makes sense. And, um, Kind of to piggyback on that a little bit when talking about recycling um, in one particular way, um, a lot of zoos right now uh, will help you recycle your old cell phones because that is a big problem. Uh, It really messes with forests where especially a lot of gorillas live and stuff like that. Um, And so if you are a person who, you know, the the new iPhones just came out and stuff, and if you're looking to upgrade or whatever – consider looking into whether your local zoo does it or if not if there's somewhere else around you that does but a a Mm -hmm. shocking number of zoos do that and um i was just at the cincinnati zoo recently and i remember seeing this like bin of like flip phones and Mm -hmm. all these really old ones and i was like oh man that's crazy but uh yeah Yeah. so just another just another good tip while we're here and tying it into zoos a little bit you know and there's a lot of electronic recycling months as well it's usually during like um Earth Week, there will be electronic recycling, but for cell phones, definitely I recommend zoos. And because you mentioned the Cincinnati Zoo, I wanted to ask you a question that we didn't talk about on the podcast. All right, um, hit me. Have you been to the crew building at the Cincinnati Zoo? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, oh, great. Okay, I can't wait to tell you. So there is a building. So if you imagine you're walking on zoo grounds at the Cincinnati Zoo and you're like heading towards what I I can't remember what the name of the exhibit is which is terrible of me but it's like the one with the manatees okay yeah so before that there's like a carousel and like ice cream stand okay so it's actually behind the carousel there's a little path that veers out behind that way and there is a building called crew which stands for the center for research of endangered wildlife and it is Uh, It has like a public facing um, like room so you can walk in and kind of see these gigantic windows that reveal, drum roll please, the cryobiobank, which is like Jurassic Park, like these gigantic uh, containers that have cryogenically frozen material. So eggs, sperm, zygotes, all that cool stuff. Um, And then there's also like you can see into the plant lab. So the, the zoo is doing all kinds of amazing work to help endangered species. And one of those is helping propagate these endangered plants 
and then actually planting them back in the wild. Um, and so you can see in the lab, like the germination of all the little plants that they're working on. <laughs> and like real scientists doing real science, like will walk in and out and you're like, oh my gosh. So next time you're there, You'll have to check and see if, it, if that building is open. Um, Definitely. I knew that they cool. did all of that stuff, but I didn't know that you could go see it. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, might, I might have missed it because I spend, you know, half the day with the red pandas. But, yeah, you know, I mean, there are reasons. But, no, I definitely want to check that out. That's really cool. It is cool. I, I volunteered um, to help work in that building as uh, an interpreter. So I got to stand there and like direct people back that way. Cause so many people just don't realize it's even there. And it is like hit or miss if the building is open. Cause I have to have a volunteer in there to monitor it. But when there is a volunteer in there, they have so much information about all of the projects and how it's going. Sometimes they have like live cams on the pregnant animals where they're like monitoring and recording data. So you can just see all kinds of things. And then they have their signature projects on the wall with the stories on there as well. So, yeah. Hi, Very Lord. cool. Very cool. <laughs> when you're I have, seeing the pandas. <laughs> I, I have now done four interviews at that zoo with people who are actively working there and still had no clue about this. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's very cool. It's so cool to, to hear about like the scientists and what they're working on. And it's like, that's happening while the zoo keepers are doing their work. It's like, there's so much happening in one place. Um, and I'm just constantly amazed by the work that, that everyone's doing. It's definitely a collaboration. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Very cool. Um, so are you getting to do anything or putting in any time at all right now um, at the zoo at all? That's a really good question. So um, I am a variable part-time educator at the Denver Zoo, and I am set up to be teaching a week-long camp um, in December. So they have some mini camps that they will be doing. Um, I say will be doing with an asterisk, because who knows <laughs> with this pandemic how things are turning out. Um, the zoo is incredible, and you know, all zoos right now are just trying to make things work. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful, but yeah, I don't know okay, <laughs> what exactly cool. will occur. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair. Cause I know, I think when we talked before you were, it was bad, like pandemic wise and you were not able to be there at all. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. There was a period of time where like those of us that were educators, like couldn't even, I mean, we could go as guests, but right, of course, there wasn't yeah, yeah. any. Yeah any programming going on. Yeah. Gotcha. And speaking of Denver, tomorrow morning in your feed, uh, there will be a new episode of the Ross Safari podcast uh, featuring the executive director of the Katie Adamson Conservation Fund and a friend of yours, yes. uh, Dave Johnson. And you're going to, um, when you listen, you'll hear it. You, you get, you'll get a shout out. It was your birthday when we recorded it. So. Oh. <laughs> yes. And you had actually just had a meeting with him. Um, I did. I did. Yeah. Yes. It was it was really serendipitous um, to hear all of that coming together because Dave Johnson and the Katie Adamson Conservation Foundation is incredible. And I like have my fingers crossed that I can join their like 
uh, next trip out. <laughs> it's like, oh I, man, I need to go. It's so incredible. I tried to convince him in the episode that by agreeing to do the episode, he was, uh, it was in the fine print that I get to go to one of their Costa Rica trips to, uh, to help save sea turtles. I don't think he fell for it. He just laughed a lot. <laughs> worth a shot. <laughs> worth a shot. Definitely. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, it's incredible to see animals in a zoo and make that connection. But when you're in the wild and you're seeing that animal in the wild, just doing what it does, it's something changes in your heart and you're just so captivated. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like this is why this animal is in a zoo so that it can represent these species that need our help. Um, pivoting to po polar bears. I remember <laughs> being in the Arctic and seeing wild polar bears for the first time in my life. And um, there was a baby polar bear, so a polar bear cub that was playing with a piece of trash. And it was like, oh my gosh, like this, this is what's happening in our lives, you know? And it's like, it was so emotional to, to see that. And it's like, this is the realities of our planet. Like we were in a desolate, like tundra with like, no, nobody's around. It's just like our group on a tundra buggy out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, and you see stuff like that. And it's like, wow, talk about, you know, impactful. And then, you know, seeing these pictures of like, I always see the one floating on Instagram of like that poor little uh, seahorse that has this little tail wrapped around a Q-tip floating yeah. in the ocean. It's yep. like, oh, that's so depressing. But that's like what's really going on, you know? So it's good to see those realities because um, it kicks your butt into gear when you get back home and you're like, all right, I'm on fire. Like, let's you, do this. <laughs> your butt has clearly been kicked into gear because you have been, you are on fire for conservation always. And I love that so much about you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else that you want to comment on, shout out, talk about real quick before we wrap this up? Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. I just, I just want to, first of all, say that your Red Panda fundraiser seems to be a real hit. I hope it continues to do well and Thank that you. the funds continue to go up. Um, I was like, man, this is so cool. And I was like, I've got to get my, my donation in before it's too late. Yes, um, and thank you for doing so. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, we also have a fundraiser going on to which you've contributed to. Yes, yes. Uh, we are trying to raise some money for our artificial nest boxes for humble penguins in Peru. So I have a link in my bio that people can click and check it out and support. So that's the big, the big project. And as always, if anyone is interested or has little ones that want to do a virtual workshop with yours truly, they can check out Penguins International and go to our workshops tab. Perfect. And if you don't understand why Katie is currently talking about artificial nest boxes, check out her episode of the Ross Safari podcast because we go into great detail about it. And it was, uh, it's really cool. I had no idea this was a thing. And I really had no idea that humans farm guano. And I'm just, if you, if you want to know more, check out that episode. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Katie, thank you so much for doing this. This has been so much fun. It's been wonderful reconnecting. I'll talk to you again soon, John. Thanks. Awesome. Bye. Bye. For now, I am going to be bringing in my guest, uh, Danny Poirier, who was on an episode. Hey, there she is. Hi. Hello. How are you? 
Good, how are you? Good. This is my favorite part when I can just stop riffing and, and actually have, have the guest there and I not like have to be scared. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm telling people, and I'll tell you too, that um, mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing a, a live streaming of the Firefox Guardian. Uh, which awesome. is a really cool conservation story about the first uh, female uh, Red Panda Guardian out in Nepal oh, working wow. with Red Panda Network and some of what she has faced. And and um, it's it's such an uplifting film. I'm that's so awesome. excited. Yeah, I got I to preview that. it. Yeah, so that's exciting. But enough about me, enough about Rasafari. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Yeah, I'm doing really well. If you were to ask me a, like a month ago, I probably wouldn't have been saying that, but I'm good now. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. okay. What was, what was yeah. going on a month ago? Um. Well, we had like a little bit of a scare with one of our birds that was like really tough for myself and for our whole team. So I think that was just putting a lot of stress and like, I don't know, a little bit of strain on the morale. And so that was kind of hard, but um. She got through it and she's good. It was one of our blue and gold macaws had, um, she had an impacted egg and it was stuck and she wasn't passing it for a while. And we were all just really stressed about it. She had like regular vet visits. It was really stressful for her and for us. And, um, our vet performed like almost a miracle, honestly, on her and was able to get it out. And so that was a kind of a, big 180 for all of us we all just felt so much better and she's doing really well she started to recover really well and she's thriving and back to normal now so we all feel pretty good about that so good i'm no, really good. glad to hear that that's awesome got to take yeah. care of those citizens yes <laughs> i learned on your citizens. episode <laughs> yes i love oh, that man. you know that <laughs> well i know that because of you you taught yeah. me that on the episode but you know i, I love <laughs> that i remember that yeah yeah <laughs> Cool. So um, some people that will watch this will have not listened to the episode. There are, there are people that do, um, you know, not podcast, but do Instagram. So why don't you introduce yourself? Okay. Um, yeah, I see Emily just commented. Henry! Yeah, Hi, Emily. That, that's, that's the bird I was talking about. Her name is Henry, so shout out to Henry. Um, so... If you guys don't know me, hi, I'm Danny Poirier. I guess now I'm Danny Poirier Larson, but Ooh. when we filmed the podcast, I was Danny Poirier. Um, and I am the curator of birds in training at Southwick Zoo in Menden, Massachusetts, uh, which is a privately owned uh, facility in New England. We're the largest um, in terms of acreage facility in New England, which is nice. Um, and yeah, I do a lot of training with birds and um, a lot of work, general keeping work, but I'm also a leader and a manager. And so like lots of things that I do for my job. Uh, and I love it. I, I really love it. I love the birds. I love birds in general, but I just feel so fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. And I love going to work every day. I love the birds themselves, but I also love the people. And I know there are a couple people that I work with who are listening right now. So I, I love them all dearly. That's so sweet. I love that. That's very cool. And that is, yeah. you know, one of the things that you and I bonded over in the episode is that we both have leadership roles in our mm. lives. And yeah. um, we, we seem to have a similar approach to leadership, which mm-hmm. I think is is very cool and, and 
very important. Um, yeah. And and there's a straight book, uh, Leaders Eat Last, that um, you you had recommended to me, but I had already read, and that I yeah. use as like a big part of my yeah. I talk about that all the time. Um, so I just think that's really cool. I think it's hard sometimes to be a, a leader of humans when you're worried about other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and good good for you for being so passionate about it and so loving while yeah. doing it because I know I know that can be hard. So. Yeah. It can be hard. And I think like, I think the more you embrace your leadership role and kind of like dive into those aspects that are kind of really difficult, the more that your subordinates or the people on your team are going to really understand it. And I think that that's really cool too. They they kind of understand the position that I'm in and want to support me as a leader because they're you know, they look up to me, but I'm also their friends and I care so much about them. They care so much about me. And that's, that's really, really important. And I think that helps a team thrive. And I, I loved that. I suggested that book to you and you were like, Hey, and you like said some, I forget what quote you said, but you said, said something. You were like, I almost put that in the podcast, but I thought no one would know what I was talking about. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I would have known. That is so <laughs> I awesome. That book. Yeah, yeah, that is it's such a good book and and being a leader is such a a weird thing when you think about it. Um I oftentimes find myself and don't worry everyone we will get to animals I promise. Yeah. But I oftentimes find myself um almost confused by where authority comes from sometimes mm-hmm. like my authority and um and yeah, you're right no matter what uh, uh you know title you have or how impressive you are or whatever um the real way to lead people is to take care of them and to let them know that they're, they're loved and cared for and, and can trust you. And, yeah. and, you know, we talked a lot about in the podcast about being able to apologize when you make a mistake and owning yeah. your mistakes and all that. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that you and I come from the same place with that. It's, yeah. It's very I love cool. that too. <laughs> now I'm curious. Um, I don't think we talked much about this, uh, if at all on the, on the pod, but, um, why is it that you couldn't do this on say a Tuesday or Thursday? What do you have going on in your life? Yeah. So I'm actually a color guard coach, which for those, um, who are joining right now who don't know what color guard is, um, if you're familiar with marching band at all, which is kind of something we also bonded over John, because you're a band geek yourself, which I also love about you. (laughs) Um, but we, yeah, so I did this in high school. It was really, really popular in my hometown. So I was a part of the Blackstone Millville Regional Marching Band, a really successful group. And I'm fortunate to now be the director of the Color Guard program. And I absolutely love it. So I, you know, in so many leadership roles, but um, I feel like I apply so much of my skills from being a zookeeper and a trainer to working with kids. And I say, <laughs> I say kids, but it's like, it's, it's like older kids, right? They're teenagers. Some are a little younger, uh, but I love it. And so that's kind of a, my little side gig. And I, obviously it is like, it is a paid position, but i don't even, I would do it for free. It's so much fun. And I love those kids too. So I, I have a lot of animals in my life that I love, but I'm just as fulfilled with all the people. (laughs) That's really awesome. What Mm -hmm. do you think are smarter, the average corporate or the average high school student? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love my high school students, but corvids all the way. We know they make better choices too. Yes, they do. (laughs) Awesome. 
Um, and so, yeah, speaking of that, let's transition. Let's talk about uh, a quarter vid that we mm-hmm. talked about on the podcast. How's my buddy Russell doing? Russell Crowe. He's good. Yeah? Russell's good. He's thriving right now. He's kind of funny. So all of our birds are kind of, we're kind of in our little winter break. Um, and I didn't really talk too much about this on the pod either, but Southix is seasonal. So we're actually closed right now. And my department, even though I work with ambassador animals, we don't do any off-site programming in my department. So we are only really doing our um, on-site programming when the zoo is open. So it's not really like we get to take a little vacation in the winter, but right now it's kind of nice that we get to kind of stay behind the scenes with our birds and just kind of practice some behaviors. But it does pose some challenges because it limits us to the space that we typically use to train our birds in the summer. So in the summer, I take my buddy Russell Crowe out for some free flight training in the show arena. And then he usually goes on to exhibit. So when people come into the show arena to see the show and to see the parrots, they get to see Russell and our friend Kinta as well. Um, So they aren't outside right now, which is kind of a bummer because it's far too cold for them. And we really don't have anywhere to take them. So it's a little bit more challenging this time of year, trying to find like behaviors to train and enrichment to give them that's going to be mentally stimulating for them. I think it's kind of a nice break from the go, go, go in the summer and all the training and all the people. It's kind of nice that they get to take a step back and kind of relax. But I think right now we're starting to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I have to find somewhere to take Russell because he is going just a little stir crazy. Um, And we've been painting a lot and doing a lot of great training, but he's starting to hide the paintbrush on me. So that's his way way of saying, I'm done with this. Let's go do something else. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. I love that so much, but that's funny. Um, And I, I will point out here, you know, my new, my new background is all kinds of, cool little uh animal art that i have and um i have i have a hippo and i have uh red pandas and binturongs and all kinds of good stuff up here cheetah but i don't have any birds i love where this is going (laughs) i I think i think i need a piece of of russell crow art it's it's very important you do. I'm going to send you one. Okay. We have all one right. made up for you already. Amazing. I love yeah. it. Cool. If anybody else wants to go live, all you have to do is agree to give me something for free. And I, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, <laughs> so you mentioned her and she is the rock star and the, the title of the podcast was Unexpected Kookaburra. So uh, how is my buddy Kinta doing? She's doing so well. And uh, my friend slash intern, Sila, I think is on here right now. Sila just had an awesome training session with Kinta today. Nice. And we're so excited. I said to them at lunch, have you worked with Kinta yet? And they said, no. And I said, we're doing it today. The first thing I do with Kinta is I just observe how she is with new people because she's not always the most calm with new people especially where she is in our bird room um but with this particular intern she's always been pretty calm and this intern has been around for a couple months now so yeah seela's saying it was incredible it was so much fun <laughs> i saw that that's so awesome excited. Yeah. oh jungle jordan's uh, on too hey, hey jordan. hi jordan good dude but anyway <laughs> go ahead with your story yeah so she was really good um uh, Sila had never handled her before. So before we go into a scenario like this, I just, I get the reinforcers already. And then I usually will have the intern 
practice like the hand motions without the bird. So I prepare them, okay, this is what her body language is gonna look like. And then this is exactly how you're gonna react. This is where you're gonna hold your hand. And I'll literally have them rehearse without the bird. And then I coach them through going into the cage. We literally start with just a couple free treats. And for Kinta, it's little little tiny pieces of pinkies that we cut up. So she's getting her little pinky pieces every now and then she gets some like gross guts on her beak. And I have to warn the person I'm like, you know, they, they kind of like when they shake their heads, it makes like a noise and it goes like really, really super fast and guts go flying all over the place. So <laughs> the one really good thing about COVID and wearing masks is none of that gets in our mouth now. <laughs> Because that has gone in my mouth before, and it's disgusting. So, yeah, that's not that's not the best. Not the best. No. So I always warn people about that. But uh, she was awesome with Ciela today, which we were really excited about. Um, but other than that, kind of similar to Russell, where she's kind of just chilling inside right now. We'd love to take her outside, but it's too cold. So finding a place to take them is always a challenge where we are. We do have a summer camp building, but it's cold and we need some space heaters and it usually isn't quite warm enough for them. So we got to work through some challenges in the winter, but we make it happen. Makes sense. That's mm -hmm. cool. I'm glad to hear that Kent is doing so well. I actually got to handle a kookaburra recently for the first yes, time. Yes, Adelaide, um, right? It was so cool. It was I'm so good. I'm so jealous. I am, that was uh, Jake's. That was Jake's, right? Was I'm Jake, such a fan yeah. of Adelaide. I loved the story that he told on his um, podcast of her free flying yep. and he told the story of her just like taking off after a hawk or, or something and yeah yep. he was like what the heck are you doing you're you're not that big and bad come back <laughs> and she did i, I think I that, that. that that was the moment where i was like oh yeah no this podcast is going to be something because oh, yeah. that story was not something i knew was a thing back then and i didn't mm -hmm. expect it and it really yeah no that was yeah getting getting to meet getting to meet her was pretty awesome um yeah. and yeah i i've got to say you know i think when we talked i was still kind of a little iffy on birds i've been learning about a lot more of them but mm -hmm. i've had some really incredible encounters in the last couple of months um whether it be kookaburra or uh owl that that mm -hmm. may have accidentally landed on my arm when it wasn't supposed to um oh or a certain uh, lady ross's taraco at the cincinnati zoo that i'm just in love with zulu um that. Yeah, amazing birds. But I just, I can't get enough now. Birds are, birds are incredible. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> really cool. Also, I have a really good friend who, who is trying to become a keeper right now okay. and is currently volunteering at the San Antonio Zoo. Um, oh, okay. And, and got birds. It was not her, her choice. And, mm -hmm. you know, I told her, I said, I talked to a lot of bird keepers and they all start with the same story, which is I didn't want to work with birds. And now I think they're the most amazing thing ever. And she was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be that person. I'm sure I'll like them, but I'm not going to be like a bird lady. And now just a couple months in, Every time she texts me, it's it's some species of bird, and she's spending her breaks with the birds. And I'm like, "You're you're a crazy bird lady." You're Just a bird lady. It. It she's happens. like, "No," and she's like, "No, no, 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 no." But also, I really love this one and this one and this one. Yeah, but, yeah, that's, that's so how that cool. works. That's kind of yeah. how it happens for us too. So when interns apply for our internship at Southwick's, which by the way, the application just went live today. So if people are interested in internships at Southwick Zoo, we are now accepting applications. But um, you can kind of choose which department you want to intern in. So we have four main zookeeping departments. So there's uh, the bird department, the primate department, 
uh, the host stock slash big cat department, and then our ambassador animal department, which kind of has a little bit of everything, but mostly reptiles. And birds is always last. And it's the most like soul crushing thing ever. Um, and it makes me, me and my coworkers sad. But what's funny is people come in and our department focuses the most on training. Like we just, we really teach our interns a lot about training. And so people will apply to the internships and specifically want training experience, but they'll have primates first because they think that like, you know, training and everything has happened a lot with primates or they want to do research or whatever. And so we end up talking about how much training we do with our birds because it's really important that we, we work with these ambassador birds and, and they either end up changing their mind or like you said, they kind of, we end up accepting them, but it wasn't their first choice. And they're kind of like, uh, but then towards the middle to end of the internship, they're like, I'm so glad I got stuck with birds because <laughs> it's like the greatest experience ever. Yeah, they are. They're amazing animals. And I am not at all surprised. Um, yeah, it turned out that uh, I couldn't just do red pandas every episode. And uh, <laughs> once I realized that it turned out that birds have become some of my favorite animals that I've, I've interacted with. So yeah, who knew? Um, yeah, it's really cool. So tell me more about the uh, the internship that opened up. Yeah, so our internship, like I said, just went live today. Um, we in the bird department usually accept between five and seven interns, which is a lot for one department. I feel like usually, um, most facilities take like a small handful of interns and it might be, they might rotate through like a couple other zookeeping departments, but ours stay just within the bird department. We take, I think we take the most amount of interns out of every department. But the reason is because um, our shows require us to have two staff members at the stage arena at all times. And then we have an intern that assists us with our shows. And then the other interns will stay with a third staff member more behind the scenes and kind of take care of all the behind the scenes stuff throughout the day. So with our internship, um, interns will learn all about operant conditioning, positive reinforcement training. They get to, of course, observe all the training that we do in the handling and help us with the day-to-day. -day. So the husbandry, the cleaning, all of that, making enrichment for all of our birds, which is something that interns usually really enjoy because that's like a fun way for them to be creative um, and a fun opportunity for like the staff to bond too because we just literally all stand at one table and it's arts and crafts for an hour. So that's really fun. Um, and, and then we do a lot of training. So what's different about our internship, I feel like as opposed to others, is we actually do an intern training project. So we give our okay. interns an opportunity to choose a bird that they've developed a strong relationship with and then a behavior that they want to train. Nice. So that's really cool because a lot of times with brand new people, facilities are kind of afraid that interns aren't going to really train them appropriately, but it's kind of fun for us because we're put on the spot to make sure we're coaching them appropriately and it's made us better trainers. So uh, we love, we love that opportunity for our interns. So that's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Maybe I'll come and be an intern. Yeah, you should. You'll love so, birds even more. So tell me, I hear this term a lot, and for those who don't know, what is operant conditioning? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, there are different methods of operant conditioning. So when you hear people say positive reinforcement, that is one of the methods of operant conditioning. So when we're talking about operant conditioning, we're talking about reinforcers and punishers, and then obviously positive or negative. So a lot of people make the mistake and they think 
positive is a good thing, negative is a bad thing, but that's not the case when it comes to behavior and operant conditioning. When we talk about um, positive reinforcement, we're talking about adding a stimulus. And then when we talk about negative, we're talking about subtracting a stimulus. So that's positive and negative doesn't mean good or bad. When it comes to operant conditioning, it means adding or subtracting. And then reinforcement and punishment, we're talking about increasing the behavior or decreasing the behavior. So positive reinforcement, we're adding something to increase behavior. Negative reinforcement, we're subtracting something to increase behavior. Uh, negative punishment, we're subtracting something to decrease behavior. So right. it's kind of just understanding that it's not good or bad. It's addition or subtraction of stimuli. So that's a mistake that kind of people make. So operant conditioning is just is that positive, negative reinforcement, positive, negative punishment. And um, it can be applied in so many different ways and in so many scenarios. Of course, we use positive reinforcement the most, but it's kind of this big hot topic in animal training right now about the ways in which sometimes positive reinforcement might not be the best approach with a specific animal. Um, and negative reinforcement might be a better approach. And an example of that is in instances where a person's presence might be scary for an animal. So it, this this was happening with one of our red-legged Sariamas named Purdy. And she's a little nervous around people in general, but I really wanted her to take a treat from my hand. But taking a positive reinforcer from my hand was not necessarily going to be a pleasant experience for her. I was asking her to really, you know, overcome some serious fears just to earn that positive reinforcer. And right. that's not always the best scenario for an animal. So what I ended up doing was she was working for a little gross mouse tail. Um, and so I had the mouse tail and I hung it on the side of like the cage bars. And then I took myself away from the situation and then she took the mouse tail. So sometimes taking ourselves away negative reinforcement the behavior that I wanted was for her to take the mouse tail. So, so sometimes negative reinforcement can be a less coercive approach. And that's like a really hot topic right now in animal training. People are really exploring that positive reinforcement is great, but it's not always the answer in every scenario, which I find fascinating. That is really interesting and makes it even more important that people understand what negative reinforcement means, yeah. because you're absolutely right. I think to, to the average listener, um, you would think, oh, that is punishment. Yeah. But that is not what you're talking about there, which, right. is, which is very important. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. That's that's good to know. All right. Yeah. I appreciate it. So um, you had mentioned that at the zoo, y'all do something called Earth Limited. Mm -hmm. How's Earth Limited doing? Tell me about Earth. Tell me about I'm the Earth. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you asked. Earth is good. good. I actually, um, I realized that I didn't specify on the pod what Earth stood for. And I think it's so, it's, so it's an acronym. I think it's so good. It's Environmental Awareness of Resources and Threatened Habitats. And I love that. Um, and so Earth is doing pretty well. Of course, they were hit pretty hard with the pandemic because so much of their programming is um, off-site programming, like outside of the zoo. So zoomobiles and classrooms and everything, that, that took a big hit um, in 2020. So 
they are started offering virtual programs. So we had, um, we are doing a couple different things. So people can do virtual Zoomobiles and, with live animal presentations with a staff member, seeing a couple of the ambassador animals and then doing like a Q&A after. And those have been pretty popular, which is great. We are now offering the in-person Zoomobiles, but of course, a lot of places aren't really comfortable with that. So they're, that's not as popular right now. And then we do have like kind of a hybrid scenario where we have some pre-recorded videos. Plus it's like, it's like a live zoom thing with our director of education, where she will show like live footage of our rhinos or our giraffes and everything. And then she'll do like a Q and a and talk to people about it. And that's been pretty cool too. And that's an option. So earth is doing well with that. Uh, we had an awesome fundraiser this year for our rhinos, um, and we raised a lot of money for Project Rhino, which is really exciting. We were able to do some rhino encounters this year. Nice. And most of that money goes to Project Rhino. So, you know, it was hard. I think it was a really hard year for fundraising with a lot of these conservation programs, especially through zoos. Um, like, our in our department, we weren't able to have uh, donations collected by our birds from visitors' hands this year. And that was so sad because we've raised thousands and thousands of dollars for blue-throated macaw conservation over the last few years. And we just didn't get to do that this year because we right. couldn't have people coming into the arena being so close to us, handing the bird the money. And so we kind of took a big hit. So we're hoping that things look a little different in 2021, but of course we don't know yet. Um, but earth is doing really well. So that's good. And if people are interested in Zoomobiles or earth also accepts interns and they have such an awesome, cool variety of animals, earthlimited.org, or you can email our director of education, Sam, Sam at South Lake Zoo, Samantha at South Lake Zoo .com, for anyone yeah. who's interested. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, anything else that you want to talk about or anything before we, we say goodbye here? I don't think so. Alicia will kill me if I don't give her a shout out. She, she joined a shout little away. late. So she, she says, teach Kiki to take debit cards. <laughs> <laughs> I should totally do that. Kiki's our blue crowned conure. She accepts dollar bills and she killed it last year. She raised thousands of dollars, but yeah, we should totally teach her how to swipe a, a debit card. <laughs> awesome. Just flying around with a little phone with one of those readers on it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, she also does this really funny evil laugh. She goes, ha, ha, ha. So it'd be really funny if we got her to do that evil laugh. Amazing. Um, Alicia was the one who responded to your story the other day and said, more bird keepers without even knowing that we had planned on doing this live. So she was so excited. Hi, Alicia. I love you and I miss you. Hi, Alicia. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. I was actually really excited when I, I put up a story asking what people want to hear on the podcast. And about half of them were already uh, in the works. So I, yeah. guess, I guess things are going well. So Yeah, things are going Very really cool. well. I'm so excited for you and for Rasafari. And I've loved, I mean, we were talking about um, Natalie's podcast today on instagram Love yes dr it. taco yes I, I was just excited to have an episode called taco tuesday but yeah i thought <laughs> that that was a lot of good info too so i learned you know. so much and like i'm so obsessed as you know with birds and i live in bird world and to branch out of that and to just like i listen to podcasts when i'm in the shower and when i'm driving so to just be able to just have that and learn and and then network like you said like connecting with these people that were on your podcast or who are who you've interviewed has been so cool 
Hey, yeah, that's me. I, I, yeah. Yes, that is you, Nat. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have found out that a lot of people that are on the podcast connect with other people on the podcast, and yeah. it just uh, makes me so happy. Yeah, um, I love it. There, really there are a great million, thing going. Well, thank you. Yeah, there are a million reasons that I love everything that has, has happened so far with with this podcast, and um, most of them aren't what I expected when I started it. Um, yeah. To be to be perfectly honest, I didn't expect the the type of people to come into my life that have and have become friends. And I didn't expect the, the cool experiences that I've had right away. Um, and I didn't expect a network to build up around it and people to meet each other. And, yeah. um, uh, just, just so much has, has touched my heart. And I, I, you know, somebody, I don't want to, don't want to say a name, not sure, but somebody reached out to me recently and was like, Hey, what are your favorite small zoos? Because I make a donation uh, once a month and I'd like to do small zoos and I know that you vet them. So, and, and so I was able to get, I know that they're going to make a donation to Elmwood Park Zoo this month. And then they oh. mentioned some other ones they're going to do. And you know, the pod, so I, I always try to help out Elmwood and it's just like so many cool little things have happened because of this. Yeah. It's, it's been really awesome. And um, still not six months into it yet. That's not, not quite. So yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see start. the future. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see the future and to see my new Corvid artwork that's going to be yeah. popping up. Oh, yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hit you up for your address, and we're going to okay. send you that this week. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Awesome, Danny. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. You're welcome. I loved it. Yay! And I can't wait I'll to actually come. Yay! And I can't wait to come see you like at the zoo when you know we're allowed to do that. Yes, I want to meet some Tinta. birds. You yes. Meet yes. Yeah. All right. Thanks. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. Three lovely humans sharing awesome things and stuff. I really like Rossafari Live. I should I should do more of those probably, um, especially because I, I need more content for the next time I feel like having a non-interview week. I thought that worked out pretty well. Also, I guess they were interviews, so... Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for all of the support this year. Uh, I really, really do appreciate it. And um, uh, yeah, you guys are just the best. I love my Rossafarians so much. Um, And uh, yeah, I guess the only other thing to say is that live credits backwards is Stiderk Evil. Ooh, that's spooky. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.